0: Welcome to the Saxo Market Call on Monday, the 9th of October and um, another week. And uh, we're going to talk about macro effects and maybe a, a lot more with uh, with you, Sharo. But um, we, we're we coming into this new week uh, after a halber weekend. Um, some geopolitical strategists have already you know, said that the events that have happened here in, in Israel with Hamas attack could be the defining moment for Israel. Um, maybe they're a type of nine eleven. Um, already the spotlight uh, from several intelligence agencies is pointing towards Iran, maybe a link to to Russia. So I think at, at this point in time, the situation is very dynamic. There's a lot of losses uh, already on both sides. Um, we're already above a 1, 1,000 um, when you combine the two sides. Um, obviously, a very horrible situation. It, um, it spins the Middle East geopolitical situation into a new chapter, most likely. Um, this is potentially... Could be a very uh, defining moment for Israel and maybe the whole region. I think at this point, it's uh, it's worth mentioning that it's uh, it's a very dynamic situation and um, it's almost impossible at this point in time to, well, we can imagine a lot of scenarios, but it's very difficult to pinpoint which path we'll take on from here. Um, I think it all comes down to the ultimate, you know, response medium term from Israel what do they decide what is their response um could they uh, pull in iran in some in, into the into the conflict by you know do do sites or whatever there's a lot of different scenarios out there but if we go back to uh, to markets um before we went on the uh before we went on the podcast show you also mentioned this is it seems like there's a very strong bid for the dollar and that's i mean the, it's a very muted reaction we have uh, seen in equities. It's down a half percent. That is what I would call inside the noise level. So there's a bit more reaction in currencies and way more reaction in, in commodities. But what are what are you seeing out there, Sharon? Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, Peter, such a shocking and you know tragic developments over the weekend. And certainly not just Israel, I mean, Iran, I think it's uh, these events would probably have implications for the whole of the Middle East uh, region. Um, you know, as you said, I think uh, there are um, uh, many ways this could go. And this is a developing situation. So probably reading too much from this at the current state might be a little bit premature, uh, certainly in terms of its impact on the markets. Uh, but uh, we need to watch some things. One of Of course, you know, you've mentioned is the the speculation that there could be an involvement of Iran in planning the attack alongside Hamas. Uh, So if that obviously, you know, proves true and if Israel takes action, um, there's obviously this uh, uh, risk of tougher enforcement of sanctions on oil from Iran. Um, you know, and Iran has been such a key supplier of oil this year since you know sanctions have been uh, removed a little bit. Uh, so, so that really plays out on the outlook of oil, and I think those oil prices will be the real anchor for where markets go or how much markets react to this developing situation, um, and also what impacts the, those oil prices is the speculation that this attack was aimed at uh, destabilizing the improving relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia. Uh, they were in talks about normalizing the relationship so now those talks potentially have been jeopardized and you know Israel may be excluded uh, from these conversations so as more of these nations get directly or indirectly involved in the conflict, it has the potential to escalate and that heightens geopolitical risk. That's the worst case impact we could see right now. Uh, But even if, uh, you know, uh, we would see, even if we would expect to see a de-escalation from here, I think the risks for oil prices remain um, tilted towards the upside, I would say, you know, higher oil prices because of, the disruptions in the passage of uh, oil, so the Suez Canal, which is at high risk as well, right? Uh, so I think again, you know, going back to the point, more so than the FX markets, and that's what the reaction also we've seen in the Asian session today—a bigger reaction in oil in gold um, than anywhere else. Really, uh, we've seen obviously as yes, this surge or a safety bid to the dollar, and uh, likewise also a little bit to the Japanese yen and the Swiss franc in the morning uh, early Asian hours or. Although that was reversed a little bit later on in the session. Um, we had uh, we saw risk-sensitive currencies such as the Aussie dollar and the Kiwi dollar getting battered as well. Um, but again, you know, really whether the impact is long-lasting or not, it will. Depend on um, how the situation develops. Um, I think uh, potentially, if it becomes um, a, a threat to that energy situation right now, I would think it would have repercussions for Europe. Um, you know, given again, we are at that um, cusp of a winter, uh, you know, season, and then there are obviously also risks about Russia or Ukraine, you know, being in some way. Um, involved in this situation as well. So so I think FX-wise, particularly this turmoil in energy markets is really key. Uh, we did see a bid because of that to the knocky uh, in the morning, uh, again, in the Asian hours today. Um, Canadian dollar was also a little bit resilient relatively, uh, but everything's quite muted. I think for now, it's uh, safe to say that there is a bid to safety. And that's why uh, investors could particularly find it the easiest to take refuge in the US dollar. But like you've said, you know, again, it's it's just a, such a developing, such a fluid situation. Uh, that we just need to kind of just keep an eye out for how it develops from
0: here. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, just to pinpoint a little bit of a uh, concrete uh, um, return developments. Um, so on the uh, on the Brent crude, we are right now as we as we we speak, Shara, we we up three percent on the Brent crude from uh, from the Friday close, and we were up as much as five percent. So that is obviously the key focus. Um, and there's no doubt that the the current development situations could potentially reroute um, logistics routes on um, crude oil. Um, some uh, shipping companies might not take the risk through the Suez. Um, risk obviously could be going up there as well. Um, so, and and then I think it overall also, I mean, normally we speak a lot about macro and, and FX today, but today is a special day uh, given the developments and the events of the weekend. Uh, but we have to talk about as well the on the equity side, you know, being defensive makes sense maybe the very large uh, mega caps those with a high quality business will be a bit a little bit like a safe haven currency like the dollar uh, defense and cybersecurity baskets most likely could see a bit in today's sessions from from these events so uh, those are some of the things to uh, to keep in uh, to keep in mind as we uh, as we progress um from here um but oh you Sharo, know, and we um maybe it's also a time to uh, reflect a little bit back on because last week was quite interesting on on the the whole um, you know, the, the the narrative around the the fit right. So we had a huge steepening of the long end of the yield curve in in the US, and then we on Wednesday we had that ADP figure that was significantly weaker than expected, the weakest it had been since early 2021. The market completely reversed on the narrative; uh, yields were coming down, and then got with then we got the non-farm. And then everything yeah. flipped back again. And we now we sort of, okay, status quo a little bit. What is the prevailing narrative right now? And and, and how should we interpret what is going on with the non-farm and, and more overall the US economy as it relates to what will have, happen to the Fed policy? Uh, just before you go, I just want to quickly highlight as well that just from one week ago, what has happened, and also with the events over the weekend, the SOFA contracts are now pricing in four rate cuts. Sorry, four rate cuts next year instead of three. So we're already seeing a development in that.
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, the narrative really is that yields are being highly sensitive to any kind of labor market data, I would say. The kind of reactions we saw to the JOLTS openings data last week and then to ADP, as you mentioned, completely reversing that. Uh, And then non-farm payrolls as well. Pretty choppy because, of course, we saw that pretty uh, blowout headline number. was double the consensus estimate, really. And the highest monthly gain, 336,000 new jobs added in the month of September. It was the highest since January. Uh, so it was a very, uh, you know, strong hawkish message on the headline. But the details, I think that obviously tempered the the message a little bit. Uh, we had the unemployment rate remaining steady at 3.8%. Uh, and we also saw uh, the wage ga- gains uh, slowing a little bit uh, with average hourly earnings increasing by 4.2% year on year compared to an expectation of 4.3%. So again, not something particularly alarming, but something that continues to reaffirm that higher for longer message that markets have been quite worried about lately. I do think this um, pricing of the rate cuts is primarily, I think, coming from the weekend um, events as well. Uh, but if you just look at it uh, from the jobs or the uh, labor data perspective, it was uh, a pretty broad based gains in the services sector in that NFP print. Uh, but as we've talked about before, Peter, you know, post pandemic data trends are are very different. There are just Distortions are lags to be mindful of, uh, and I think that really is becoming the key narrative to you know keep in mind. It's uh, it's just a lot more relevant now to look at forward-looking data, uh, you know, such as say talk about corporate announcements around planned hiring, where we are seeing some signs of caution starting to come in. Uh, if you look at layoff notices that U.S. firms have to file to state labor departments, they have also risen. Um, And then you're hearing from large retailers that plans for holiday hiring are also a little bit more muted at this point. And then on top of that, you have these autoworker strikes that continue. There are those shutdown risks that are also still there. Um, You know, they've been pushed forward a little bit. But, uh, you know, mid-November, we we might be again talking about those shutdown risks. So uh, all of these things obviously temper that strong hawkish message that came across from from the headline NFP. Print And then this week, certainly, I think uh, the big focus will be the U.S. CPI data. We get the inflation print. um, And uh, energy prices, the the way they have been in the last month or so, oil prices spiking higher. Even food prices likely to, again, can contribute to uh, some further gains for U.S. inflation uh, for this month again. Uh, you know, there is obviously a risk that we could see uh, a firmer print. And especially, I mean, for the core print, there is obviously that uh, slowing rents that could have a cooling impact. But uh, there's also still some sticky categories in the core inflation metrics, such as car insurance or hospital services and the likes. Uh, so there's a lot of uh, you know confusion about where, whether we do get that clear disinflation trend back or not. Um, so there is obviously, like I said, you know, a risk of hawkish tremors coming out from that CPI again uh, this week. Uh, if we do see headline getting closer to four percent or the core getting closer to four and a half percent, then we could still see yields up, um, you know, again, and that bear steepening continuing as we've seen last week as well. And that those trends I think are likely to stay in place unless we start to get that clear deterioration in U.S. economic numbers
0: all right good points and then then the you know the final thing we we need to talk about uh briefly of course is that we we have china coming back from the golden week holiday and um we we briefly talked about it internally before we uh, before we've talked about all the de- geopolitical events that happened over the weekend uh, but that was that uh, consumption trends uh, seems to have been a little bit underwhelmed in china so you know the higher for longer narrative on rates in the US, still pressuring, I think, to some extent, financial conditions and and real estate developers in China, but the the consumption signals and the overall signal from the Chinese economy still seems uh, to be a little bit sluggish.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a lot of um, hopes that uh, once we get on the other side of this uh, eight-day golden week holiday, we could at least bank a little bit more on the recovery in consumption that could potentially to some extent offset those dire messages that we continue to get out of the property sector, particularly in China. And uh, I mean, no, no doubt, I think the numbers are looking pretty good, uh, especially if you compare them to last year when we were still uh, when China was still in lockdowns. But also if you compare them to 2019 Golden Week, um, there has been significant growth. So, you know, we've gotten, uh, we've gotten 4% more domestic trips. We've gotten 1.5% increase in spending compared to 2019. Uh, but it fell short of government estimates. So now, now, there are two ways of looking at it. Either we can say that, you know, government estimates were a little bit steep. Uh, but, you know, given how consumption has been uh, traversing, how it has been recovering, I would expect government to have set a more realistic, targets as well in China um, and if you look at uh, you know international travel or border entries and exits as the ministry really measures it uh, that was quite an underperformance it was 15% less and you know so overall I think consumption trends are a little bit underwhelming at this point point. Um, and it you know brings us back to the point that as long as we have that property sector overhang you uh, to really get a strong consumption tailwind i think that remains really difficult so again you know we'll see these increasing calls for further stimulus uh, in china uh, potentially uh, and the focus shifting back to what we're seeing on the property sector
0: right so uh, china still still in focus and i think that's a wrap on today's um today's podcast so in the week ahead Take note of the uh, the very dynamic and fluid situation in the Middle East, how it impacts the gold commodity markets, in particular the oil price. Also, the dollar seems to be a bit. We focused as well that you know on a short end of the yield curve makes sense at this point. Defensive posture in equities. Look for themes like. Uh, defense and cybersecurity, and then of course we uh, we talked about the uh, the developments in the U.S. economy post the FFM, uh, sorry the non farm payrolls, and how that could influence uh, the Fed's decision making going forward, and then finally of course China still being weak, notice those calls for uh, for more stimulus to take place, um yeah and otherwise we'll just uh, say safe trading out there and uh, and we'll be back with the, the podcast tomorrow when we when we'll be talking fixed income with and Spinazzi Thank you for listening.